reach it. That's all right. I'll have to shout. Well, good morning to everybody. If you're visiting this morning, welcome. It's good to see you. Are we right? Yeah? Okay. <coughs> Psalm 14. For those of you who don't know, we've been uh, over these last few months, we've been once a month looking at one of the Psalms and we're working our way through the book of Psalms. And so, in several years' time, we'll get to the end. <laughs> but today, we'll look at Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now I don't know about you, but uh, I love the way the Bible sometimes is very to the point. And it leaves you with uh, no sort of dilemma. It leaves you with no sort of quandary, if you like, as to what God is saying. And perhaps here this morning we have one of those examples where God spoke through the psalmist in order to deliver a clear, no-nonsense message to the whole of mankind. It's a message that even someone with, with no education, even someone perhaps who's, who's never ever been to school, it's a message that even they can understand. It's quite simply this, the full sense in his heart there is no God. If you look at the, uh, at the Hebrew, then the term there uh, rendered fool, it denotes someone who's not just a bit silly, someone who's a bit foolish, but someone who's morally deficient. Someone who's morally deficient. And the Bible calls that sin or sinful. Sinfulness. Matthew Henry, commentating on, on, this, on this passage, says that sin is the disease of mankind. And he's right, isn't he? If it wasn't for sin, then there'd be no suffering in this world. If there were no sin, then there'd be no pain and death. And if there were no sin, we wouldn't need a saviour. But sadly, as we know, there, there is sin in this world. Each of us has that, that small defect, if you like, deep inside our beings, that makes us want to do those things which go against God's laws, against God's original plan for our lives. Because as we know, in the beginning, God made man, and all was well. But then sin came along. And that sin tainted that which was, was once perfect. I wonder this morning, how many, if I ask you, how many products can you think of which through the years have, have been recalled by the manufacturers because they were tainted or because they were spoilt in some way and not as the manufacturer had intended them to be? I was thinking about this and I remember a few years ago <coughs> there was a, a certain brand of baby food was, was recalled off the supermarket shelves because someone had found some glass 
in one of the one of the bottles of food. So the whole lot was thrown away. And going back many, many years, there was that uh, thing with either tinned salmon or tinned tuna with botulism in it. It didn't sound very nice. I don't quite know what it is, but it sure didn't sound worth eating. Anyway, so all that was thrown away as well. It was all recalled. And then recently, there was a, a certain make of car that was recalled that everyone had to take back to the garage where you bought it from because it didn't want to stop which is a little bit frightening isn't it you're going along the motorway and put your foot on the brake and it decides it doesn't want to stop but what about human beings what about us why haven't human beings been recalled Just the other day I, I received an email from a, from a Christian friend who I, I know from another church and uh, he sent me this email because he, he thought I might find it interesting and as it happened it, it came at, at just the right time. What it was was a recall notice for human beings. Okay? I thought I'd, I'd read it to you this morning. It's called Recall Notice. The maker of all human beings, God in brackets, is recalling all units manufactured, regardless of make or year, due to a serious defect in the primary and central component of the heart. This is due to a malfunction in the original prototype units codenamed Adam and Eve, resulting in the reproduction of the same defect in all subsequent units. This defect has been technically termed subsequential internal non-morality or more commonly known as sin. Some of the symptoms include loss of direction, foul vocal emissions amnesia of origin you don't know what that means that means forgetting where you came from lack of peace and joy selfish or violent behaviour depression or confusion in the mental component fearfulness idolatry and rebellion now the manufacturer who is neither liable nor at fault for this defect is providing factory authorised repair and service free of charge to correct this defect. The repair technician, Jesus, has most generously offered to bear the entire burden of the staggering cost of these repairs. There is no additional fee required. The number to call for repair in all areas is P-R-A-Y-E-R. That's prayer, okay. Once connected, please upload your burden of sin through the repentance procedure. Next, download atonement from the repair technician, Jesus, into the heart component. 
you still with me, yeah? No matter how big or small the sin defect is, Jesus will replace it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Please see the operating manual, the Bible, that's basic instructions before leaving earth, for further details on the use of these fixes. Then there's a warning. Continuing to operate the human being unit without correction voids any manufacturer warranties. Exposing the unit to dangers and problems too numerous to list and will result in the human unit being permanently impounded. For free emergency service, call on Jesus. And in big letters it says, Danger. The human beings, sorry, the human being units not responding to this recall action will have to be scrapped in the furnace. The sin defect will not be permitted to enter heaven so as to prevent contamination of that facility. Thank you for your attention, God. P.S. Please assist where possible by notifying others of this important recall notice and you may contact the Father any time by email. Sin. Sin is the disease of mankind. But there is one who has borne the burden of the sin of all mankind and paid the cost in full. Jesus, God's Son. So how foolish do you have to be to say there is no God? Well, first of all, in order to say there is no God, you must be 100% certain that there is no God to bring you to account for such a statement. It's okay to say there is no God, but what happens if there is? you're in trouble the psalmist says there aren't any who do good that God looks down from heaven to see if he can find any who seek after him any who desire to know him but he comes to the sad conclusion that all have turned from God all suffer from sin's corruption in their hearts and David says there in verse 3 there is no one who does good not even one. Well, you might feel that's something of a rash generalisation on the part of the psalmist to say that there are none that do good. But in the eyes of God, it's a true statement. You may be a Christian here this morning and you think you do good or that you are good and yeah maybe to some extent that's, that's true but might we be able to say that the good in us is a result of God working in us and through us you see right at the beginning it, it started well enough didn't it God made the world and everything in it 
And Genesis 1.31 tells us God saw all that he had made. And what? It was very good. But sadly, you go on about five or six chapters. And sometime later, by the time you reach Genesis 6 verse 5, all is not very good, all is very bad. And the thoughts of, of man's hearts are evil all the time, as the Bible tells us. So much so, that God himself was saddened. Think about it. God himself was saddened that he'd made man. Just think about it. The one who made the universe and all that's in it, including mankind, came to the point where he looked upon man and the pain in his heart was so great because of what he saw that he asked himself, why have I created all this in the first place? In the light of that, we have a very fragile existence. Right at that very point, God could have taken the whole of creation and screwed it up like a piece of paper and hurled it into eternity, never to be seen again. But he didn't. God looked down on mankind and he saw the sin in our hearts. He saw how we turned off the path, if you like, that, that leads to happiness. And he'd see, and he saw how we'd gone down that road that leads to death and destruction. And he said to himself, they need their defects put in right. They need fixing. They need a saviour. When David wrote this psalm, God had touched his heart to show people the uh, evil of their hearts and warn them of the danger they were in. David looked around and he saw people doing evil everywhere. He saw how those who despised God's people took pleasure in persecuting them. They desired the ruin of the upright. You know, it, it says here, doesn't it, you know, something about like, you know, they're, they're devouring the good people like, like a person eats bread. And many of the Psalms we've, we've looked at before this one, it, you know, it, the Psalmist writes about how they're all being persecuted, how, how evil men are, are seemingly gaining the upper hand. These people, they hated God. They hated God's people. And they hated the poor. They hated the poor, those who, who had nothing, those who couldn't defend themselves, those who had no rights, no voice. They hated them. They just lived for themselves and their consciences were dead. It sounds not unlike people today in many ways. But why should we 
or David for that matter, be surprised at the lack of good in the world. When no good can be expected from those who don't know God. No good can be expected from those who don't know God or or don't have his spirit living within them. Because good comes from God. Those who say there there is no God, those who would even claim to have knowledge, are fools. Because if they had knowledge, they would know that there is a God. Now these kind of people are are not clever. But I'll tell you what they are. They're in serious danger. Just the other day I... um, uh, Professor Stephen Hawkins I think that's his name isn't it the, the guy who's in the, in the wheelchair he was talking on the news about the beginning of time and how everything got here and how scientists are still working hard to work it all out I mean you know for 20-25 quid they can nip down to the bookshop and buy one of these and save him a lot of time and energy wouldn't it he came out with a most classic statement something along the lines of it's possible to leave God out of the equation when looking at the origin of the universe it astounded me well it completely wound me up actually but (laughs) How very big and foolish of a mere man to claim that God is not necessary in order to work everything out. How foolish, even more foolish, to tell God what he did or didn't do. When Mr Hawkins and his fellow scientific friends weren't there in the beginning. How foolish to even entertain such ideas when you're just one, just one missed heartbeat away from an eternity in hell. The same as the rest of us. We are just one missed heartbeat away from eternity. And if you don't believe this morning then that eternity for you is in hell. He and others like him may wish to leave God out of the equation. But let me tell you one day they will find to their cost that God hasn't left them out of his equation. And they will give an account for the reason why they've spent their lives deluding others and leading them astray. We can only pray for them that before it's too late their consciences may be moved to consider to consider the possibility that God exists. Or even that God would powerfully reveal himself to them Nevertheless, we should pray for people like that. 
But the same occurred with people in David's time. Maybe if, if you look there at verse 5, we get a glimpse of the fact that even vain men, even evil men, sometimes have their consciences pricked. Verse 5 says, There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. So who are they? Who are they who are overwhelmed with dread? They're the evil men, the persecutors. Even while evil men were persecuting God's people, they saw on the faces of those they were persecuting, they saw God's peace in their faces. And maybe they began to think to themselves, maybe there's something in all that believing in God stuff after all after all why are these people so so calm you know we're, we're ripping them off you know with, with taxis and, and you know we're, we're being nasty to them and you know I don't know what everything they were up to but they were persecuting God's people yet God's people were like just so calm because they knew who they trusted in it's the same as us, isn't it? How we conduct ourselves can speak volumes to non-Christians. Not just in, in difficult times, but in, in daily life. How we conduct ourselves. I wonder, does, do those who we, we jog alongside day by day in our workplace or in school or wherever it is, do those people see Christ in us? But whether or not the evil turn from their ways, David turns his attention to God's people to comfort them. And uh, he comes to the end of that psalm and he, he comes to a... He ends on a high note, doesn't he? Because, uh, you know, it's, well, it's, it's quite sad, really, at, at, right at the beginning there, isn't it? And uh, we go through all this, this persecution of God's people and then it's like... Let's end on a high note. We've just seen that uh, God's people, um, they, they had God's presence because it was, it was evident to their enemies. They also had his protection. God's people had God's protection. The Lord is their refuge. But more than that, there in verse 7, they have hope. Hope that will come out of Zion. A hope that will be born from David's own family line. David started the psalm by, in many ways, lamenting over the situation that was all around him. But he ends by looking to the salvation of God's people yet salvation for God's people didn't end at the time of David it continues today we too have hope we too have a refuge 
in God. If you don't know God personally today, then don't turn your back on him and become what what the Bible would describe you as, as a fool. Don't deny the existence of a God who has the power to create worlds. He has such compassion in his heart that he wants a relationship with each one of us. Recognise your sin defect. Call on God in prayer and repentance while he may be found. And allow Jesus to fix that sin defect in you and replace it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And for those of us who already know God's transforming power at work in us, let's not forget to tell others of God's recall notice that we read there earlier and the free repair to our sinful human nature we can all receive. Some may may look at the Bible today and say that it's just a load of, of old stories. A load of old stories that are perhaps outdated and of no use to today's modern society because society has, has moved on. Well, it has moved on. It's, it's moved ever closer to a, to a sad end. But even in this psalm this morning, I hope we can see the reflection of our own society in what David wrote concerning his own society and whether then or now whether several thousand years ago or today the remedy for our sin defect in our hearts is the same remedy is Jesus Do you know him today? If you don't, then please speak to someone before you leave this morning.